Well, good morning, and uh, happy Memorial Day. I have uh, served overseas some, and in countries where uh, you're not free to worship, and so uh, we celebrate uh, and remember the men and women who have sacrificed, who have left the country, and some, yes, lost their lives, so uh, we enjoy this freedom. Perhaps the most humbling moment I've had as a Christian was when I was in Turkey in 1988 and met uh, believers who were beaten simply for believing in Jesus. I've, I've heard of those people, but, uh, and they just happen to live in the wrong place, the wrong, the wrong country. Um, and so we're grateful as uh, people who believe in Jesus for the men and women who serve our country and have served in the past, and we celebrate them today. Fall of 1996, we were in our last uh, semester of seminary. We'd be heading overseas to Costa Rica in January 97 and on to Chile. And within about two weeks, we got two phone calls telling us that both our mothers had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, my mom was breast cancer, and they thought they'd cut it early, and in fact, they had. She would not die again. She would not die until 2012. Um, and, but Hope's mom was, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia, and they said uh, probably about six months, and it was right about six months. We actually went to Costa Rica and came back for the funeral. But, but I, I remember getting those calls and thought, wow. Wow, life changed real fast. Um, and life seemed really stable, and all of a sudden it can turn unstable real, real quickly. And, and the question I have today is, where do we find stability amidst the instability of life? Many of you have probably gotten those calls. If you haven't, be of good cheer. They're on the way. Um, the instability's coming. And yet we sung about this God who's yet faithful, amen. Where do we find stability? Because that's what we're saying. There is stability in the instability of life. Where is that? We're going to talk about that today. So if you've got uh, a Bible, if you'd open it to Genesis chapter 21, and we're going to work our way all the way through this chapter, and we're going to wrestle with that question. Where do we find stability amidst the instability of life? We've been going through the book of Genesis. Quick overview. Genesis 1 to 11, God creates. And in short story, short version, humanity pushes back. And God, in chapter 12, reinserts himself in a way through the man Abraham and his wife Sarah, and he's going to build a nation. And he's going to show himself to the world, yes, I am alive, yes, I am, but he needs a people who will follow him. And it starts with Abraham and Sarah. He said, you're going to have to leave your country, you're going to have to leave everything you know, and follow me to some place where you don't know the language, you don't know the custom, you don't know the people, you don't know the food, you know nothing. And Abraham and Sarah do it. And he promises to make them a great nation. And in fact, he would the nation of Israel. But one thing they're lacking is a son. They don't have an heir. And it's going on 24 years now. No son. Promises, going to have a son, going to have a son, no son. Uh, Ten years earlier, they decided, you know what? This is, this is crazy. We, we better take things into our own hands. We're, we're this, these circumstances are too big. And so... Sarah sent Abraham to conceive a child with her uh, maidservant, Hagar, and they have the child Ishmael. He will come into play here. But that's where we are. Abraham and Sarah have followed God. They've left what they've known. And this promise of a son hasn't happened. So we read in chapter 21, verse 1, Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. And it's talking about giving her a child. I want you to note two things there. As he had said, 
And as he had promised, the Lord is faithful, yes, amen. He said it, it's going to happen. The challenge is it doesn't happen in our timing. And we wondered, am I going too serious? Am I taking this too far? Am I... Well, before we follow through and see the birth of this son, Isaac, I want to remind us how through the years, remember this is 23 going on 24 years that this promise has been made and hadn't been fulfilled, how Abraham and Sarah responded along the way. I want to go back to Genesis 17, 15 through 17. It reads this way, then God to Abraham. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you will not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. So there's the promise. There's the word. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. There's God saying, you can count on me. I'm going to give this to you. How does Abraham respond? Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You know, what, you know what Abraham said to that promise? That's a joke. I'm 109. That's a joke. Yeah, you, 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 don't, don't take this God thing too seriously. These circumstances are too much. He laughs at the idea that God will give them a child. Sarah, chapter 18, verses 12 through 15. The Lord has promised that he is going to give a child to them. In verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I've become old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? Remember, Sarah laughed to herself and she thought she'd get away with it, but this is God and he knows. He said, why did Sarah laugh? Verse 14, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year. So this is a year before our passage. And Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. Why? Because she had doubted God. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So God's making promises. God's saying it's so. But this man and woman who we consider examples of faith, laugh. They laugh. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. How does God respond? Well, first, I'm back in chapter 21 now, verse 2. So, Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now, God was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Verse 6, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Why is she laughing this time? Joy and exaltation. Why? The Lord was true for his word. And she throws her head back in laughter. It's crazy, the goodness of God. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. People will rejoice with her. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? Well, God, God would. 
Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Man, Abraham and Sarah left all they knew with the promise that you'd have a son. And one day that son would be multiplied and and it would be a great nation. But the, the son hadn't come. 23 years. They're waiting. 100 years old and 90 years old, past childbearing, for sure. And yet God is not limited by our circumstance. Time of instability, left everything they knew, and God hadn't come through. But there was certainty in the word, in the promise of God. So, so we're asking this question, where do we find stability amidst the instability of life? Here's where it is. We, we find stability in the certainty that God keeps His word. We find stability in the certainty that God keeps His word. And ultimately, what God has said about Himself is, I am good. I am for you. I give you a future and a hope. Now, what does that look like specifically with your health issue or your job issue or your this issue? That I'm not sure. But what I do know is God is good. God is faithful. God has a plan in your circumstances, and that doesn't change. That is fixed in heaven. Now, we hear, sometimes we toss around the term spiritual growth uh, or spiritual battle. We start with spiritual battle. Spiritual battle is Am I going to give in to the circumstance? Or am I going to trust God? That's a battle sometimes because the circumstance is overwhelming and they've been going at it 23 years. That spiritual battle, it's part of you said, this is crazy. This following God's nuts. I'm going to stop. This is, I'm, going to, I'm going to take it on my own. There's a battle there. How are we going to live? Are we going to live in light of the faithfulness and promises of God? Are we going to think, no, that's, 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 that's too much? We'll go our own way, and we'll do our own thing. And spiritual growth says, in spite of the circumstances, I'm going to trust God. And sometimes it takes a while for us to get there. We've got to grow into that. Later, 2,000 years later, the Apostle Paul wrote about Abraham and his walk of faith in Romans 4, 19 to 21. Here's what he said. Without becoming weak in faith, he, Abraham, contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Those are interesting verses to me because in light of what I've seen in Genesis, there were moments of doubt. And I I think Paul is looking big picture. This was the direction of Abraham's life. But there was a process in there. He had moments of doubt. And I say that because maybe you're a little bit like me and you have your moments of doubt. You've got this circumstance and you wonder and it weighs on you and you think and you wonder and am I, am I, how can I trust God and what's, why, why not and how come? It's, there's a process. We're growing in our faith. We're battling day by day, moment by moment to take hold of the word of God and believe him 
over our circumstances. And so one of the things we talk about is each one of us getting in the Word every day. Because it's in the Word of God that we get to know God. And we become familiar with His, pros- uh, His promises and, and, and they stay lodged within us. Psalm 119, verse 89, says this. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word of God is that he is good and he is faithful, and that is settled. Do you believe that amidst your circumstances? Do you believe that amidst the instability in your life? You've heard me, if you've heard me speak before, you know uh, I've worked with mission organization called Campus Crusade, and my parents were not happy about it, particularly my dad. And I went full-time for good in the fall of 1985, and, and I memorized Psalm 27 that fall. And, and there's a verse in there that says in verse 10, Psalm 27, verse 10, for my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. I hung on to that verse all 19, fall 85 and spring 86, 86, 87. I kept coming back to that. Is that true? Because I had felt the pushback from my parents because I hadn't lived up to the expectation. In fact, my dad told me, he said, Andrew, when I, people ask me what I, my kids do, I had an older brother who's a doctor, and I'm a younger brother who's a software engineer, and I have, uh, I have an engineering degree. And so my dad would say, my middle son's an engineer. He wouldn't even recognize what I do. My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. I bet on that verse. Now, it changed. God did give me that relationship back when I became a pastor, but for whatever reason, my dad's perspective changed. But there were a lot of years. God wants to speak a faithful word into your circumstance. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. But I encourage you, the battle is real to believe God. And where we find stability in the instability of life is the certainty of God's word. His promises are fixed in the heavens. Well, there was a time where, where Abraham and Sarah didn't believe. They, they began to doubt, and they thought, you know what? We, this, this is a little crazy, and we're not conceiving a child. So Sarah said to Abraham, why don't you get with my servant Hagar, and we'll, you can conceive a child, and since she's my servant, that will be our child. And that was a bad idea, and, and that had happened uh, 13 years earlier. And so now they have Isaac, but But the son, Ishmael, who Abraham had with the servant, Hagar, is 13. And and he comes into play here. I'm in verse 8. The child grew and was weaned, talking about Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that's the servant, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. So Ishmael is mocking this child of the promise. I don't know what he's saying, but look at the little twerp. I, I don't know. He's mocking. Look at the little fella. I'm a man. I'm, 13. I'm, the, I'm the firstborn. I'm the older son. I don't know, but, but he's mocking. Verse 10. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive 
without this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. You bet it did. Ishmael was his son, and he had grown to love him in 13 years old. But now his wife is saying, he can't stay because he's mocking. You've got inner family rivalry here. He's got to go. And Abraham's distressed. You bet he is. What put them in this position, the thought that, I don't think God can come through? Uh, he promised it, but I better take things into my own hands. That's never a good idea to doubt God. And, and, and there's consequences to that. Is God still good? Does God still work his plan? Yeah, but do we live the consequences of those choices? Yeah, we do. So Abraham's got to drive his son Ishmael out. But God said to Abraham in verse 12, Do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid, and I will make a decision also because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and the skin of water and gave them to Hagar, put them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 15, when the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away, for she said, I do not let me see the boy die. She sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make him a great for I will make a great nation of him. And that's where we get the Arab nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. The mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. There's consequences. God is still good. God is still faithful. But we live the consequences of doubting him. Verse 22, now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I've shown you, you shall show me to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear. The ruler of the land says, God is with you. And I, I want to make a covenant with you because I don't want to be crossways with God. The favor of God, seeing by the pagan world. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. He did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. So Abraham feels bold enough as a foreigner to complain, hey, somebody stole my well. Abimelech said, I, I don't know about that. So they make a covenant. Then Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs on the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these seven ewes mean, which you have set by themselves? He said, you shall take these seven ewes, lambs, from my hand, so it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, he called the place Beersheba, because there's where the two of them made an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, and the commander of his army arose and returned to the land of Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord God and everlasting God, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines. For many days. So even in the land of the Philistines, God or Abraham is living the favor of God. 
So let me ask you, what are the circumstances? What's going on in your life where you're thinking, eh, no, I don't know. This trust in God in this, ah, you know, that may be Andy, that may be, it may be taking my faith just a little too far. Do you believe God will show his goodness in those circumstances? Health issues, job issues, you're single, you can't have a child, you, there's finances every month, it's what? Do you believe God will show up? Do you believe he's faithful? Because I cannot guarantee you an outcome. I cannot guarantee you healing. I cannot guarantee finance. I can't. A maid, I can't. A child, I can't, I can't do that. But I can guarantee you the goodness of God. It's set in his words and it's fixed in the heavens. Will you find stability in that? That's the stability God offers. Himself and his word. After we had hope, I had served a year in Russia, Hope had served three. We were coming home to get married. We had five weeks. We flew back to Alabama, and then I was going to fly out to Colorado to find us a place to live because we'd get married and go out there and start seminary. And so this is before the internet gets going, so I'm working through a travel agent, and he goes, hey, I got a good deal. It's a, it's a new carrier. It's kind of a discount carrier. I can give it to you for this price. I thought, that's a good price. But I said to the guy, is this... Is this airline reliable? Is it, is it safe? And the guy said, oh, yeah, you can trust this. It's, it's, it's not like Aeroflot or something. Well, Aeroflot is the national airline of Russia. And at that time, Aeroflot had a terrible safety record. And I thought, buddy, you just hit pretty close to home because I've been flying Aeroflot for the last year. And in fact, the year before I got there, one of my teammates said, Andy, uh, they had a burned-out fuselage in the, in the airport, where Domodedovo Airport, where we'd fly out. It was just kind of a reminder that you could go down at any time. You know, I don't think the FAA made it out, too. But I remember, as he said that, I remember the instability I felt every time I stepped on an Aeroflot plane. Has anybody done a safety check in this thing? Anybody looked at anything? Uh, probably not. And I remember the feeling stepping on the plane in the United States, thinking, you know, I just feel a lot more stable. I feel a lot more stability because I know that, and I realize it's not perfect, but a lot more stability because I know who's in charge. There's some folks looking over this thing that make me feel a whole lot more confident. Well, if you're going to walk on your own through your circumstances, you're flying Aeroflot. I can't promise much. But you want to step under the cover of God and who He is and the character and His word that they're fixed in heaven? And you're flying under the cover of the FFA, FAA. It's a whole lot more. Uh, the, the, the illustration breaks down because even the FAA can't guarantee. But, but we are guaranteed the goodness and the sovereignty of God. That's why we say we find stability among the instability of life in the Word of God. Let's pray, and I'll invite our worship team up to close us. So, Lord, we are grateful that um, you offer stability. And, and you don't offer a, a guaranteed outcome, but you do offer your goodness and your sovereignty 
And that doesn't change. That, that's fixed in the heavens. Lord, that, that we would find you in your word. And we would bathe ourselves in your promises. That we would find stability in the instability of life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.